Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 92. Me and Matt are hyped up today, obviously in great spirits. Pet, not so much because he was playing football in a hailstorm, I guess, is probably the best best way to put it, uh, judging that video. But we also have a very special guest with us today. Uh, Sam Ty is back with us. Sam, I believe this is your second time um, on the podcast, I believe, because I missed out on the first time you were with us. Yes, unfortunately, we've collided this time. I actively avoided you the first time, but uh, Pet, Pet didn't tell me that you were going to be here when he invited me. Otherwise, I would have said no. Yeah, I think Pet just <laughs> added me in the in the DM this morning. It was very confusing. Well, this morning over here, the first message I just logistics and that was the thumbs up, and then I got added in. I was, I was thoroughly confused by it. I was just like, okay, hello, how are you? Um, so I mean, yeah, enjoying the Milan, love it, man. I'm I'm so pleased for Milan. So. Um, all the Milan you can give me, I'm happy to uh, surround myself with it because uh, Sunday was pretty nerve-wracking, but I've, a, I've developed an attachment to Milan this season, so uh, I was right there with you guys supporting them. Yeah, so, so did Pet. Pet, um, Pet loves when we just discuss them uh, hours on end. I mean, I did chatting. tell you you were going to come to a fool. <sighs> yeah, I was, I, was, I was saying no, and, <laughs> and I can't even play the card. I was doing the reverse jinx. I genuinely thought it was going to happen. I just, I, too much PTSD over the past seven, eight years or so. But yeah, um, great to have you on. We're obviously going to be discussing um, all the top four and leagues wrapping up. Um, there's a ton of drama basically across all these leagues. And the storylines were fantastic. Um, even if the champions were crowned prior to that, the top four races were great. So we'll start off over in the Premier League. Um, Listen, goes down to the last day. Liverpool, Chelsea sneak on in along with the two Manchester clubs uh, for top four. Leicester, as we just mentioned right before we pressed recording, they were up in top four for the majority of the season again, and they just missed out uh, for a second straight year. They do have an FA Cup to lean back on, which is a great accomplishment for them. But overall, it's crazy that it got down to the final match day with Chelsea, but given the way things were going under Frank Lampard, I thought it was a great comeback for them to to rally and make the top four, as well as um, getting into the Champions League finals. So, I mean, prior to the season, we would have said this would have been a fair top four projection, right? These clubs, I mean... Is there anyone else that we we could have seen that were that was actually going to make it that just missed out on it? I, I don't think so, right? This should have been what was supposed to happen, given transfers, talent amongst these squads. Anyone could go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like those are probably the four best teams in the country, right? But um, Leicester and West Ham can both feel kind of hard done by. I mean. I mean to miss out by one and, and two points respectively, there are so many games that you've watched this season that the both of these teams just absolutely shouldn't have lost. And I mean, if, if you look at the table, someone like Everton, who were kind of in and amongst it for a while, ending up 10th is is pretty crazy to think about it. I mean, is it like what? It's like 12 points between 10th and, 10th and 4th. So it's, it was very congested there. And I feel like two or three game weeks have basically meant that some teams have kind of looked at their end position and been like, ah, we had a shit season or we had an okay season or we had a good season. Whereas it was just a season of the finest margins. Right. Um, and uh, you can say that a league table always shows who are the, the first, second, third, fourth best teams in the, in the league. But when it's on this finer margin until the very, very last day, you can count yourself kind of unlucky. Can you? can't you if you're Leicester or whatever I agree Pat and like Villa in 11th there four points off the top 10 but 55 points in pretty much any of the last 10 seasons will get you a nice cushy eighth or ninth Um, Mm. it just felt so congested up there and all the way down to Villa everyone's done basically very very well I think some people would suggest that Everton maybe have slightly underperformed but then you just take a look at the table again and yes they're 10th but yeah, six points or six. Like it's. I mean, Everton have only got two less wins than Chelsea in the league. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, and you, when you actually look at the entire season with you know even Manchester United, right? I mean, their away record was they were undefeated away from Old Trafford, which is insane to think about, right? You know, obviously City were that good to the point where it almost uh, kind of fell by the wayside. And then you look at Chelsea. Thomas Tuchel comes in, brings them from tenth to fourth place. Has him in a Champions League final now, 
Um, I want to ask this to you guys. Now that they have secured top four for next season, regardless of the outcome of the Champions League final, do you think that does anything at all from a psychological standpoint heading into this final where, yes, they're playing pretty well as as far as their form goes, but I think most would agree that City are the favorites to win this. What do you think? I mean, I think I thought this about the Arsenal-Chelsea Europa League final when Chelsea already had Champions League and you're kind of like, well, will they be up as up for it as the other team who don't have Champions League for next season? And what actually happened in that final was Chelsea played with just so much freedom and kind of just went out there and had fun that they ended up absolutely pulverising us. So um, that, that could happen to Chelsea, right? Where they don't have as much pressure to win this game. The pressure is all on City. Um, two who obviously tactically is incredibly astute. He's going to probably try and do some fairly smart things and, and try and match up with with City in certain areas, um, and and try and hit them on the break like they you know like they did in the second half, uh, the second leg of the uh, Champions League semi final. Um, worked really well against Real Madrid. I think um, I think the pressure is totally on Pep and City because for how amazing City have been, especially in the second half of the season, the kind of whole no Champions Leagues without Barcelona for, for Pep Guardiola is is mm. something that he wants to bookmark as, as quickly as possible. Pressure's probably on City because they're the favourites. But I do I do honestly think this only changes things like maybe like by five or ten yeah. percent for Chelsea. Like it's still at the end of the day, like obviously now it, it's not all on the line for them on this game. It's not a case of we need to win this trophy and it's our only route into the top four. Fine. It's still a Champions League final. Like there's expectation there. It's Chelsea Football Club. There are going to be fans paying thousands of thousands of pounds to stay in, in Portugal over the course of the weekend and, and go out and watch. And it's a Champions League final. Like the, <laughs> it's a, it's the it's the biggest game in, in the club competition. So it's good for Chelsea that it's not everything is riding on this one game, but it's still absolutely massive. And mm. if it does change things a little bit, if it does relax Chelsea a little bit, it's good. for me. It's only by five or ten percent. It's not by much. Yeah, I think there was more pressure to make top four in general than there is to win this match. For yes, definitely. Because of what happened with the spending over the summer, um, right? There were people calling it the greatest transfer market of the past 10 years or so, right? Maybe probably when Madrid got Ronaldo and Kaká. That's basically what they were hyping this up to be. And the fact that they even get to the final is amazing because it's the first one since they beat Bayern. I think this is their third overall, right? Because they lost to United um, in the shootout. So, again, it doesn't happen that often for them, considering the amount of success that they've had over the past 20 years. I just I think there's a lot less pressure on them. And, and it's not dramatic. I think the familiarity that they have with City is going to help, too, because it's not this opponent that um, they haven't seen before. Right. If it would have been against PSG. It's kind of a little bit of a different conversation, right? Even though Tuchel, would, it would have been the perfect manager to have to face that squad because he's he, there's no one more familiar. Um, so again, I you know, I don't know. Anything can happen in one match. That's the thing. That's the beauty of it, right? Because it's a final. Um, and I don't know. I think there is, uh, you, you think Pep does anything that he might overthink potentially mm. in this? Because he's had he's had that from time to time where he gets a little too cute and he tries to be too smart in some of these matches. And granted, he has a lot of time now, and I don't think he he'll try and do something like that. But you never know. I mean, it, it can get to him. The pressure mounts over the years. I don't think he will. So you know, mm. cue them playing three at the back in the final. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they did the last time they played, right? Yeah. They played some yeah. bizarre Nathan Ake, Benjamin Mendy, yeah, weird so three at three at the back thing. He basically just sacked that game off though hadn't he let's be honest um and Chelsea have beaten City twice this season but I don't think Chelsea have beaten anything close to a City side that we're going to see in this final I still can't figure out if having beaten them twice is a positive or it just means nothing at all because what they'll actually come up against on Saturday will just be completely different to the two sides they've beaten anyway is it a psychological advantage hey let's just go and do it a third time is it a disadvantage um, surely we can't beat City three times in a row. The odds are against <laughs> us. It's that kind of thing. Like, yeah. how many teams beat City three times in a row? It's a, it's a very strange one, I'd have to say, and it's, it makes it quite difficult to call for sure. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to do predictions, are we? 
because I can't think of it yet. Even though it's I too early, to it's too early. It's, <laughs> yeah, I have to write for that later in the week. I can't. I, I haven't even thought about it yet. But other top four stuff. Okay, so the biggest disappointments this season in the Premier League. Uh, it's pretty obvious, Pet. I know it's funny. It, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bring up Arsenal just yet. But we'll let you laugh first. Spurs. <laughs> I mean, total panic job by Daniel Levy. Sacking Mourinho, in my opinion, um, it just didn't make sense. You just—it well, wasn't necessarily him... panic. It was just like to me, it came off as panic. I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm but disagree I disagree with you. I, I mean, kind of like if you can make a change, but just do it in the summer, especially not yeah, six exactly. days before that's a final, and yes. that's what you brought him in there for, right? But I think um, <laughs> the whole—the way I looked at this from obviously Arsenal, my club, were, were one of the teams contending for 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 seventh or, or sixth or eighth or ninth or tenth wherever we were going to end up right and for me i was kind of like if arsenal came seventh we'd be forced to keep a lot of players that we might not want to keep just because you need more players to play in europe right um and i think that might to spurs detriment be the same um this summer so you know them having to maybe keep two or three players that they wouldn't have kept to be in the squad to add numbers and, and, and depth um, for the Conference League. I mean, look, it might go the other way. They might play like five or six under 23 players every single game. Um, Kane might leave. We're going we're gonna to talk about that later in the show. Um, but it just, I just feel it, it kind of complicates your, your, your summer plans as well. And I think, yeah, maybe just one European competition too far, but... Uh, we've had loads of episodes talking about European competitions, haven't we, recently? So won't go into depth about too much depth about that. This uh, first year, Gareth Bale did not win a trophy since he was last at Spurs. Like he won a trophy every <laughs> year. Real Madrid goes back to Spurs, doesn't win a thing. So poor Gareth Bale is the history. Um, poor Gareth Bale, six hundred k a week. Poor Gareth Bale. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I understand your sentiments. That's <laughs> all. It's fine. Um, your gunners. Um, I mean, they were fantastic in the second half of the season. No, I mean, they finished very strong again. I mean, hey, well, relative to the first season, first half. So I think we we were the second or third best team in yeah. the league from from Christmas, which is obviously you know a great trophy in itself. Um, <laughs> but ho- hopefully, I mean, I'm just hoping that that kind of form just we basically take that period extrapolate it over the whole of next season and and try and make a push for the top four because realistically i mean i think a lot of arsenal fans are quite like spoiled and maybe arrogance is a strong word but i'm seeing uh, a lot of arsenal fans turn their nose up at being linked to kind of guys like sander berg and um you know ryan bertrand on, on a free when we were playing granite jacker at left back um there seems to be this idea that Arsenal's squad and, and their players are a lot better than they maybe are when, when realistically we have this between the sixth and eighth best squad probably in the league. So did we underperform overall? Probably by a little bit. And if we had come, you know, fifth, sixth, then we would have probably overperformed a little bit um, in terms of kind of talent and personnel. But um, a lot of work needs to be done in, in the summer to move maybe about 25 players on and then bringing like three <laughs> or four. So uh, here we are. <laughs> It's a lot of players. It's a whole squad. It's a lot. It's, it's a lot. A whole Premier League squad of twenty-five players. <laughs> Very nice. Um, I'm I'm largely with you there. I don't. I think you've basically finished at a position in the table that your squad quality would indicate is about right. Mm. Um, and if you can get through a summer without signing a Willian-style player, and only sign crossed. a player like uh, like a Sanderberg. Um, or like I saw you got uh, linked to, you know, Adara Bioyo from, from Fulham at one point. Mm. Um, again, like another signing that I saw a lot of um, hand-wringing oh over from Arsenal fans. It's like, Crazy. guys. <laughs> We're playing Rob Holding right he's now. A good, he's a good player and he's the right, he's the right kind of age profile and, and profile of player stylistically that, you, that, that, that a smart club in a position of Arsenal's would actually make that's 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 the Leicester signing Leicester, you, you, Leicester you were about signing. to say you're about to say like Arsenal and then correct yeah, yourself yeah I didn't say it <laughs> but like Leicester make that signing right yeah. that's and, that's the player that they pick up and I mean Leicester right like they've been linked with a, a host of very smart signings obviously because as you mentioned they're they're very well run right Ryan Bertrand to to play back up and you know James Jackson's out for a while correct 
Samaria. Well, I don't know if it's confirmed, but very, Fabrizio very heavy. Romano links. has decided it's done. So <laughs> I believe in the rules of football that it's now finished. Yes. <laughs> That's as good as it is. But I mean, you know, speaking of where Samaria is currently, Lille winning the league, obviously quite a big deal. And there hasn't seemed to be that much uh, kind of uproar from the PSG camp. Do they really care that much? Is it is that is that bad? Like it seems as though they just they just wanted the Champions League and and nothing their else world this yeah their world ended after that happened Matt but you yeah. could go and do your thoughts on that I mean there's I I found it, uh, an interesting tweet uh, yesterday while I was just kind of watching all the the comments and you know, media surrounding Milan's top four finish and I saw one that said it was interesting right I think the last time that PSG didn't win the title of course when Monaco won it. PSG went out there and just started splashing the cash. It could be one of those summers. It's obviously a different time, you know, in the, in the financial landscape and in the world in general for the market, for them to be backing up the Brinks truck and spending 500 million on players. But there, this is a team that I think there's a lot of, obviously a lot of good pieces in place, but, you know, there's obviously players they still have to kind of decide on whether or not they want to keep or find deals for, you know, or, or move out. Uh, obviously, Mario Cardi's won. And Moise Kane, can they find a permanent deal there? It seems like they want to, but Juve are interested in potentially bringing him back. But I don't know if it's so much, I mean, this is essentially going to be one of, you know, Pochettino's main markets right now, right? This is going to be essentially his team. So it's going to be interesting to see how they try to rebuild from this. But on the Lille front, I mean, it's been extraordinary to watch this team. I mean, I remember when they came up against Milan in the Europa League and both teams had a really good unbeaten record at that time. And they put a three spot right on Milan and it gave, gave them uh, one of their only defeats in like 20 something games. So this was a really this was their worst team. defeat in Europe in their history. Yeah, worst defeat yeah. in their European history, which is, I mean, speaks volumes, right? And I think to be able to maintain that for an entire season, mighty impressive. And it's going to be interesting to see um, you know, which players leave. I mean, I have an idea of who I think will be, you know, plucked away from that squad. I mean, Renato Sanchez, he's a new lease on life. I mean, I know he was very, still very young, but he kind of bounced around and now he established himself at Lille in a good, strong league and get a title winner. So he's going to have a lot of suitors. I mean, you go up and down that roster and there's tons of talent. So, um, you know, but I'm just curious to see what their approach is to repl- replenishing that squad. Is it going to yeah. be like a Monaco case where, that was their golden team. Everyone is disbanded and then they struggle to really kind of pick up and rebuild. Or are they a team that really be- uh, believes in their methods and their approach to the market and can just pick up right where they left off like a Leicester or an Atalanta, for instance, who um, normally get their club rated of their top players, but for the most part are able to bounce back through their methods and their approach and be in contention for the, for the following season. I'm going to be honest, guys. I think they're screwed. I think they're absolutely screwed. Like, obviously, every league our club, apart from PSG, is in some financial trouble after the collapse of the TV deal. Uh, and they're all feeling that, so it's all relative. Um, but Lille, I was seeing some reports last night that this was like, and I saw a lot of Lille fans as well, just going like, thank God we won it because the next is chapter <laughs> is going to be really grim. Um, and I think this, this cluster of players that you're, that you're looking at now and the, t- the team that's just won this title, I think is probably going to be crystallized as a crop of players that the fans will look back on and think this this lot won us the title and then they basically all left because Lille are in serious debt and they have no TV deal as as is the case in Liga and they've got a lot of players here who they can sell on uh obviously mm. you've got you talked about uh, you know Renato Sanchez there Mike Magnan who mm. Has a deal lined up from with Milan if they can't extend Donnarumma. That's eight million euros. That's not even that much money. Is that not... the, the signing fee? That's I the, saw that's fifteen million. million. I saw was, what was another fee. figure. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got told maybe it was about a month ago. I got either told, way, um, either way, it's I got not... told about eight million. But um, yeah, it's it's Nothing not that really much money. <laughs> and um, so the best keeper in the league last year. Yeah. And I mm. wouldn't be surprised if you know Sven Botman leaves. Yeah. If someone like um, you know Jonathan Ikone leaves, um, Jonathan Ikezi. David maybe a bit soon for him. But there's the fullbacks. But the fullbacks are really good, and it's like, okay, fine. So what's your model? How do you replace them? And the sad mm. news is, is that a lot of this work was done by Luis Campos, mm. um, the fantastic Portuguese sporting director, who has left the club. Um, most of that infrastructure left, um, and I don't know what's there to. You know, hit and the they market just and Gaultier go right. Well. Yeah, Gaultier's gone to Nice. Um, I mean, Gaultier nearly left halfway through this season. The, <laughs> the, the 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 club is sort of crippling from the inside, and 
it's not a very positive story to be like, hey, they just won the title. Let's feast. But ultimately, that's exactly how other clubs should be looking at this crop. And there are like six or seven players here that everyone should be looking at and yeah. should, be, should be more than happy to take a look at in different positions. And I don't think Lille can hold on to many of these. I don't think the creditors will allow them to. And I just don't think they've got the infrastructure in place to replace them either. So it's a bit of a one and done. It's a bit of a, like a Montpellier or a Monaco, as you said. Yeah. Matt. It, it feels like that. I mean, look, they might still have Barak Yomaz and Jose Font, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, they are legends of this, of this campaign. Unbelievable. Uh, but, yeah, Font with... 36 starts in a title winning season at age 37 and Papa Yilmaz as I've begun to call him um, because he's the he's the grandfather taking care of all the kids on the pitch and uh, scoring the first goal in every game allowing them to to breathe a little bit and um, motivating and cajoling them as well he's been a really important presence in this run-in he's been fueling them with belief um, average age sorry not average age combined age is um, 72 <laughs> of these two gentlemen so uh, is that even a good thing oh don't worry we still got Yilmaz and uh and Fon. <laughs> i mean listen you're right and who it was a confirmed sale right so they're because i know elliot um it's a perfect segue to milan because elliot are the current owners of them and they were also with lil so i mean i wonder if there's going to be a connection of just maybe trying to scoop some of those players from that team and bring them over there um, because we already see that one link. For me, it's disappointing, and that's overall just the issue with Ligon as well and why we're not really going to see anyone consistently challenge PSG because whenever it's it's just one team, we have Lille. We had Monaco for that stretch when they won as well, um, and even they were spending in that one period when they got Falcao and Hamas Rodriguez at that one point. No one can competitively spend against them, and I think that's probably going back to the PSG point is that that they know, okay, even if we did lose this year, we're still going to be fine for the next 25 years like, <laughs> at the very least because who's the competition now? They're going to actually sell their best players at this point, as Sam mentioned, with all this debt. Like, who's going to really be challenging them next? Leon's losing a bevy of players too as well. I mean, just really there's no competition with that. So any other thoughts with them before, I guess, we move over to Sam's uh, – New sweetheart in uh, Milan. Let's move on. I want to hear this. You want to hear this? <laughs> All right. Matt, you can go ahead and take away because this is also your club as well. And you haven't said that much today. So sure. uh, got to get to the rainbow. I've just club. been smiling behind the mic right now, uh, <laughs> waiting for this opportunity to talk about Milan. Uh, of course, as Martino mentioned, uh, big race, big finale in the Serie A final round of matches yesterday. Of course, Milan, Juve, and Napoli opting for the final two spots. Um, Started with Milan Atalanta, right? I think the expectations or uh, the optimism or lack thereof heading into that game was it was it was difficult for a lot of fans to stomach, right? You know, the big big season, good start with their champions were in, in first for much of the season, and Inter overtook them, and since Inter overtook them and never looked back, Milan were free falling, dropping points. Uh, Ibrahimovic went down; he was a non-factor for much of the second half of the season, and. Somehow, someway, Milan can find a way to pull out a big victory away to Atalanta. And I think they actually set a record for away wins, at least from a Serie A club. Um, the greatest road team, team this year, yeah. at least once. And I think the stat came out from Opta. I think there was only three teams that had as many away wins in a single season. It was Madrid and City. I don't have the years. But... It, was, it was City when they set the record of points. Um, I think it was yeah. seventeen, eighteen. It was one. Of, it was that year. I don't know. That was the year they had the record uh, amount of points. That could have been in twenty nineteen. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it was them, and then Real Madrid in like twenty twelve, thirteen, mm-hmm. which is like some of the best teams the past ten years, which is insane to think about. And then while you had obviously that going on, all the matches at the same time, Juve topples Bologna without Cristiano Ronaldo was a late scratch. Um, somewhere kind of questioning what the decision was from Andrea Pirlo, biggest game in charge of Juve. Obviously, when it was a more of a sort of a fatigue thing from that midweek match against uh, against Atalanta in the Coppa Italia final. They didn't need them. They they cruised to victory. And then Napoli, Verona came to play against Napoli. I, I was watching this game, and I'm thinking to myself, 
are there's something with this Verona team because they've been in pretty poor form under Ivan Juric to end the season, and they're really pushing it to Napoli. Napoli get the, 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 the go-ahead goal by Romani, who played for Verona. And then real quickly, in a split second, Verona equalizes. And Napoli were in a bad spot at that point because they saw Milan were ahead and really you know, grasping onto that 1-0 lead. Juve obviously were in firm control themselves. And Napoli knew at that point they needed help. And it's honestly disappointing to see what um, the day was for Napoli. I mean, I was looking at them and I think their form was spectacular to end the season. Cattuso had them playing really well. They, prior to the, the, the draw yesterday, I mean, they had, I think, six wins and two, two draws in their previous eight, were one of the more informed teams in, in not only just Italy, Europe. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> De Laurentiis in De Laurentiis fashion tweets out pretty much his, his parting message to Gattuso moments after they don't make the Champions League. Drama in its highest form. Obviously, Milan fans return to the Champions League. They're very pleased with that. But guys... Well, actually, first of all, let's go to Sam here. He's uh, been telling us about his Frank Kessie, uh agenda here or propaganda that he wants to spew. But um, Sam, what do you think of the season, Milan specifically, and then Kessie? Go for it. Uh, uh, yeah, I only came on here to talk about uh, Frank Kessi. Uh, <laughs> so thank you. And um, he's been like, I just, yeah, I had this soft spot for Milan this season and was gutted at the idea of them missing out on the Champions League after everything they've managed to to put on the table uh, and just kind of fell for them. I've, I've loved the, the recruitment process and the players that they've attracted over the last two or three years. And the way they've kind of built this team back up in a very kind of sensible way. It's just not something that you necessarily see from that many others. And the, ahead of this season, I thought they're going to make the leap here. Um, I actually predicted Milan to win a trophy um, of, some, of some description. I thought they might be ready to take that kind of leap. Um, I'm not claiming that second is a trophy. Obviously, that prediction failed. But what I was kind of getting at was, yeah, they're ready to make this, uh, make this transition into, into one of the top teams in Italy. And it pretty much, it pretty much settled out that way. And but there's a lot of players in this team that I, I really, really like. Um, I mean, every, everybody loves, you know, like Teo Hernandez and everybody loves Donnarumma. But the central midfield pairing of Benacer and Frank Kessie, I adore. Uh, and Kessie in particular, man, the improvement this year. How much better has this guy got over the course of the year? It's astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. Um, and I just noticed the other day that he's on a contract that ends in one year. Already, I'm worried about that. See, I'm a Milan, I'm a Milan fan now. Basically, I don't know how this has happened at all. Tomori so, coming in in January, fantastic piece of business. And now that you managed to get into the Champions League, you've got the money to complete that if you can convince him. So fantastic. And I guess the, the two performances that really defined it for me against Atalanta was was Kessie and and Kier. B- between them, they, and, they, and they actually. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, no, no. But between them, they just like they. I think they actually kept you in that game for long enough to have a say of it. Revenge game for both of them. Both used to play there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, is it a revenge for Kessie? Nah, to... we just we just. It's just a. That's just a big. <laughs> that's just a, stirring the pot. <laughs> I, it's just a big American thing. Anytime someone faces their old team, it's just like revenge game. He's like, but he played there ten years ago. Yeah, still, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, want, I want to go back to you with this with this uh, these stats on on Kessie and speak on his reliability and the fact that he's been the main guy for Milan in that midfield for really since he arrived essentially, which in the year that they had with the injuries, COVID tests, I mean, for him to put 37 appearances in there, they're over 3,200 minutes. I mean, speak to that a little bit because it's one thing to be a really good player on your day. And we, we, we know players that are very good, but they can't stay healthy for whatever reason, or it's very inconsistent, a lot of Jekyll and Hyde performances. I mean, as he just like stockpiles performances, I mean, he's 24 and look at the growth you saw in this year, aside from the penalty goals, leadership, the way the fans observe him, because he came to this team in 2017 in that big summer with Faso Belli, ton of money, 250 million spent on the team. And it's only him, Hakan and Antonio Donnarumma as the remaining players in that, that 12 player market. He's clear cut the best one of them and the most important from that. So just speak to that a little bit and how much you value the fact that he's able to be available for selection, which is huge. I mean, availability is is absolutely huge, but like 
the thing that's really stuck out to me for Kessie, really, I mean, I guess I hadn't necessarily noticed that he had just been ever present. I'd been more worried about the fact that Benacer wasn't. Um, and I was noticing a really clear correlation between whether or not Benacer starts a match and whether or not you win a match was, was, was basically how I'd, I, would, I would put it. Because I don't, for, for, for clarity, like, I thought he was absolutely rubbish against Atalanta. Um, but oh, he is typically a very important player and a presence next to Kessie. When you've got that kind of partnership, it's important. But with Kessie, I just thought this man can do it all. Like, I know that the goals are penalties, but he's obviously getting on the score sheet. But I, I felt like when Kessie takes the grip of a game, the game is played as he decides it. And he controls the tempo of it, the speed of it, the area in which he's, it's played. And I even saw that that, that, that away goal, so the away, the away win at... Um, not in the way win the away performance at Old Trafford. I thought Kessie was magnificent, um, and he turned some heads that yeah. night for those that hadn't necessarily been tuned into what he was doing. And I, I love a midfielder that can just take hold of a game like that and go, "Hey, we're going to play this game on my terms." And that's the sign of a dominant player and a midfield general. And I think Kessie has basically hit that level this season. And I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with what you've been saying there because you can't really do that unless you're there all the time because you've got to be in the groove and you've got to be the dominant figure. And in order to be that figure, you have to actually be there. <laughs> and those performance stats and the statistics like that he's consistently available are, are stunning, really, in, in such a season where injuries, COVID, et cetera, as you said, have basically wiped out a lot of teams of plans and progress. 4,100 minutes this season across all competitions. It's insanity. And also not even to, to boot with the, we know it's all highlighted by the penalties and all that, but still six assists as a defensive midfielder as well. I think it's a great number. It's nothing, it's nothing terrible at all. Um, I thought it was very respectable and you're right. He just completely takes over these games now. And even when Benacerre has been very inconsistent since he returned from his injury in 2021 as well, for me, I think by far the best defensive midfielder in the league and there aren't that many players now off the top of your head um, that are better than him at that position, especially in a double pivot. So I think it was a great leap for him. Um, and I'm sure that contract situation will get resolved because I'm going to, I'm going to put myself into some danger if I have to go through another uh, saga again, like we have with Donnarumma with him and there's Romagnoli's uh, extension as well. So Pat, any Wait. thoughts on, on uh, your favorite? On. You Italian club? Do you actually want Romagnoli to extend? Because not for just... not for the not for the money being. Yeah, I thought Sam was going to say, "Hold on, hold on." Do you want Pat's thoughts? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> that as well. No, man, I'm I'm a big fan of this Milan side. Like loads of likable players. I've been a fan of Benacer for a while. Even you know when he was kind of like playing for Arsenal and not really getting a chance. There was mm. definitely a player there. And Frank Kess is you know a guy who's just basically steadily improved over the last few years. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Fia Hernandez as well, one of my favorite fullbacks, um, big Ibra fan, even though he polarizes opinion. So I'm very happy uh, for Milan and for you guys, of course. Yeah, pretty much all but guarantees the Tamori signing, by the way. You see how yes. Fab just confirmed it right after. Okay, it's done. It's yep. decided. And he, he looks like he's settled really well at Milan, right? Like he looks. And he had a know, rough spell too. And yeah. the way he bounced back from that rough spell, it's like, okay, he's here to stay. Because the athletic ability that he brings to the table, which has been a real focal point, right, Matt, of what this new management and these directors have brought in with the Teo Hernandez's of the world and himself is that you have to get great athletes as well these days to compete yeah. with some of these teams, especially in Europe. So to see them move towards that direction, it's very exciting. So um, shall we talk about Ronaldo a little bit? Because real quick. Real quick. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, it kind of ties into that, but I was okay. going to you know, ask you guys um, on the Juventus front. I mean, they finished top four. It looked at times to be hanging in the balance for them. But Andrea Pirlo's first season, he wins two titles. And it looks like he could be confirmed again, which to my surprise, honestly, I thought maybe Zidane would be in play. Uh, maybe Simone Inzaghi, some rumblings around that because they were previously interested. How would you rate his first season? Would you see from him at that last portion of the season that maybe gives you some optimism that maybe he has figured at some things out and he can be the guy for this project. And I guess tied into the Ronaldo, what's, what's the future look like for him? Because without Champions League, he was likely going. 
Um, there's still the possibility that maybe he still goes now, although it's probably less. But I guess give me the perspective um, on Juventus under Pirlo in, in his first year. Go ahead, Tim. He gets like, I don't know, maybe the, the Coppa Italia lifts it to like a six out of 10 or something. They've been awful. Like every time I watch Juventus, I have no clue what they're attempting to do. And it's been really weird to watch all of these kind of, I don't know, almost like guarantees about Juventus that I've come to expect over the last 10 years or so, you know, watching them under you know, Conte, Allegri, and even, even Sarri, like you expect Juve to win it late. This season, they often lost it late. You expect, you expect Juve to turf out the minnows and absolutely batter them. This season, they often drew to those teams. And like watching like the three nil against Fiorentina. I mean, I know they had Quadrado sent off in that game, but and, and Benevento lost. Yeah, losing three nil to Milan as well. I was, it was like watching. I don't know. I, I I can't really explain it, but I never really saw a direction for this team at all. Um, for a team like this with this much talent to be so incredibly over reliant on Quadrado crossing it in is is actually quite disgusting, and I was wishing them ill throughout the season because it was just a horrible use of of a really talented team and to come you know to to, to bust the chance at the what the 10 the 10 straight trophies um league titles and and end up scraping into the top four on the last day because napoli messed it up against the Hellas Verona. like it's oh geez I, I can't really give it much credit i know they got two trophies yeah. but one's a super copper mm-hmm. um fair enough you won the copper Italia, like well done um but overall, I was extremely unimpressed. And it lies with the, with the directors, right? And the owners and Agnelli and, you know, appointing a manager who has literally never been a manager, not even at a, um, a youth level. Well, he, was, he was youth manager for like nine days, wasn't he, or something? Yeah. Um, in a season that is not, this is not normal football. This is a pandemic season. This is coronavirus tr- restrictions. These are different travel dates, different uh, amount. You, you don't get time on the training pitch. Like everything is weird and different. And everyone has really struggled. Why don't we just take someone who's never been a manager before and chuck him in, see what happens? <laughs> Terrible idea. So ah, it's very difficult for me to praise Pirlo in that regard. And, and, and I give him a six out of 10. But at the same time, obviously, it's not really that much his fault. Although the lack of tactical identity is obviously a problem. They played Danilo in the midfield on the final game of the season. I just, I th- I don't think there's much else left to say. And that's, that was the glaring issue. And you mentioned the directors and Matt, and I've said this to Pet as well. You're giving Aaron Ramsey, like, what was it? Almost 7 million euros a year. When we're just talking about Frank Kessie's ability to be available. And this is the guy that is the antithesis of it. He's never on the team sheet. He wasn't even there for the last game, which was very fitting to that. Adrian Rabiot, Talented player, but worth that money? No, no clue. And they were just kind of trying to go off of the formula that had Pepe Morata, where he was getting like, you know, Pirlo on a free, Paul Pogba and Arturo Vidal. But they were getting, they were going by that formula, but they were heavily overpaying players that are supposed to be the highest paid midfielders in Serie A. And they're not even top 10 midfielders in the world. Bakuidi, Kadira. Yeah. And they tried their best to get them. And they were probably like, Okay, Morata's gone. What would Morata have done here? <laughs> I mean, he'll sign a midfielder on a free. Yeah, they, they tried to, they tried to pretty much copy and paste that same philosophy and go of... get Morata back to. I, I think, I think we said uh, maybe like 10, 15 shows ago that like Bosman transfers were starting to get a bit like bubbly because yes. the amount of money people were paying for like twenty-five to thirty-year-olds on a yearly basis on not short contracts that you then can't shift for any money. Mm. Like it's just such a bad idea to do now. Right. Like it's like, why would you not, why would you, why would you not let Aaron Ramsey go for, you know, if you're Arsenal, right. Like, and he comes to you and he goes, look, they've made me an offer of 320,000 euros a week. Right. You're obviously not going to match that. If you're, (laughs) if you've got any, any semblance of a brain cell. Right. Uh, obviously, we can laugh. You know, they signed Willian on fucking 150k a week, two, three years later. But um, pretty good. yeah, but like, it, like, it's just not the good thing to do anymore. Right. On if you get, of... if you can get someone like, let's say, Baba Casamari stays at Lille for another season, and you get him on a free yeah. next year, or Mike Magnan, great. Right. You get a prime age player in their position who's 
just won the league in Lille and been one of the best players in their position in, in, in France for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But like, let's let's stop the stop the madness, right? Like, if you're if you're in the modern game, signing players for free at 28, 29, 30 on two, 300k a week, you deserve to not be good on the pitch. That's what it is. Con in football, isn't it? Biggest con in football. A free transfer is not yeah. free. Yeah. You get a massive signing on bonus, massive agent wedge, and then you get a massively inflated contract that you have to sit on for two or three years, as you say. They're nightmares. Absolute nightmares. You can nail it. Like You can get a good deal. Like Southampton have just picked yeah. up Theo Walcott for another two years, free off Everton. You know that's not going to cost him that much. But that's that's the return of a homegrown hero you know, in very humble circumstances. That's That's okay. There are circumstances where this can work, but the Ramsey and Rabiot scenarios are very, yeah. very different to that. And then, and then again, at, oh. and then you look at some of the purchases they've made, right? I mean, I know they're not, you know, they were dominating Serie A for the longest time, had, you know, two Champions League final appearances. But no Rabiot. competition. Right. But look at the players they were buying. They're not, they were never really in the position where they wanted to sell players. Like that wasn't their model. It was to win with that sort of same group. Yeah. When you can but sell nobody to Genoa for 25. They contract leaves for, leaves for nothing to Hertha Berlin is retiring now, right? A year after he left Matuidi leaves, goes to Miami, gets his, gets his Miami bag. It plays with David Beckham. No fee. Couldn't move Gonzalo Higuain's contract, right? He goes hands for Miami. Douglas Costa, Paid a significant sum to Bayern Munich for him. He's going back to Gremio for on loan yeah. until his contract expires. Where's the players like that they could sell? And the players that they have been selling, obviously, are their academy players for fifteen to twenty million to these other clubs. And there's some sketchiness to that too. I don't want to go and say this. I'm a conspiracy theorist <laughs> about this, but selling Alberto Cherry to like a Genoa for 14 to 15 million when he has two Serie A goals to his name and the guy can't get minutes for Cagliari right now. That's, yeah. that's shady in my opinion. Storaro as well. But Storaro I want to go back to the one last oh, it's record fee. Hang on. Are they not doing, are they not doing that thing where they're like, where was Rovella from? Where, where, uh, I think he was uh, at Genoa this season. Yeah. So didn't they like pass up the opportunity to sign Rovello yeah. on a free transfer and yeah. paid money for him instead to, in, uh, so that he, so that they could then spread that fee out on amortization, and then obviously end up like mm-hmm. sending someone like Jerry back the other way. Like they're yeah. doing some very creative things. You know, the Pjanic yeah. Artur thing was a prime oh. example, but they've done <laughs> they've done a few of those. Romero they're, too. They bought Romero from Genoa for like twenty six million, and loaned him to Atal. He didn't play a single match for them. They loaned him back to Genoa. It's like Atalanta sixteen million a, euros. Is yeah, the option, right? Atalanta had a two year loan with an option to buy on him, which they're going to use. And now Juve are going to get a fee for that. But a player that's yeah. that, like he, why, why doesn't he have an opportunity at Juve? But, Is he not better than yeah. some of those other players in that team? Yeah. Demerara can't get minutes. Like, it's it's about, really strange with the way they're running that that club right there. And they wasted one of the greatest players of all time. The when you sign Cristiano Ronaldo, your goal is to win Champions League, and they got even worse in the Champions League, losing to Lyon, Porto this year. The guy's not even involved in these matches. They don't, they don't do a good job of having him adapt. You're picking and choosing between Paulo Dybala, which they've mishandled him terribly, and he showed on the pitch yesterday that he's still as good as any player in the league if he's able to play that way. It's been a colossal waste of money. And the way it's ending now that you did That's the other Champions mistake, League. isn't it, right? Not selling when they should have sold. So you say when you... Alexandro is another one. Yeah, when you don't have that many saleable assets and you don't like, you know, the, the, the summer that they were, the Dybala was linked to Spurs, when you don't, or, or United the year before that, when you don't sell when you're supposed to or should or maybe want to because you're not really making this player the focal point of your team that maybe you should do, you know, you're always going to have trouble, right? Yeah. But before we move on to our final topic, we have to mention that we are in affiliation with So Rare, the global blockchain fantasy game. So Rare is a fantasy game of soccer or football, not to get anyone upset, where players buy, sell, and train and manage a virtual team with digital player cards. If you use our link and buy five new cards from the primary market, both individual cards and bundles, you get a free Rare card. So head on over to So Rare. Pat, I always mention the Memphis to buy card. Off to Barcelona. You think, yeah. you think that's going to be worth more now? Uh, I don't know. I I just hope he's not shit at Barca. That would be the hope, right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just the thing is, if Messi stays, historically, players that play with Messi have just got absurd stats, right? 
Like, cause he just, you know, you, you've got to mark you're, you him. Know, Coutinho and Griezmann. No, but like, even if you go back to fucking like Bojan Kerkic, <laughs> he came out and broke out and scored like gajillion <laughs> goals. And you look at, um, you look I at how it. many, how many goals anyone in the, in, in forward lines have, have scored with him. So, yep. you know, if you had like Messi, Depay on the left and then, I don't know that that club's just finished, isn't it? Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, well, Aguero on the the it's going to be like basically the Argentinian national team, but with yeah, the pie instead of Wayne. You'll love this transition, Pep. So, speaking of finished clubs, Spurs and Harry Kane. <laughs> oh man, he wants That's, out. Uh, it it looks like it, doesn't it? I mean, the way he's you could see it in his eyes, the way he's cheering and clapping towards the fans. Um, he wants out. He knows this is the last opportunity because now at this point, I don't know if you guys would disagree or not. It's extension with Spurs or you have to leave now. Well, he's to, got to three, go three years now. left, right? Um, in the summer. So this is the, the highest his value is going to be. He's turning 28 Correct. fairly soon. So next summer you'd be selling him as he goes on to be 29 and he's got two years left. He's got very bad ankles. He doesn't run as much anymore. Um, I think the amount of PR him and his team have done recently, playing golf with Gary Neville, et cetera, et cetera. Um, whoever his PR team as well, like, you know, great, great job. Um, you, you're really making it obvious that he wants to leave. Um, it's going to be very hard to bargain with Daniel Levy for the, the, the you know, the prize jewel. But can, like, Sam, let me ask you this. Can you see any reasonably smart club paying like a hundred 30 million pounds for Harry Kane. It's not it's not a smart investment is it at the end of the day it's at that price it's it's the kind of thing that we've been talking about just now with like Ramsey and Rabio particularly Ramsey obviously with as an injury prone uh, 28 year old you know giving him an absolutely massive wage I mean Kane is is a sensational player like don't get me wrong I'm not trying to say he's not but he's got dodgy ankles he at 120, 130, 150 million, whatever it is, it's just way too much money. Like Daniel Levy has apparently put a price tag on Harry Kane of 200 million. So <laughs> even, even 120, 130 <sighs> is very, very low in the estimation um, in comparison to what Daniel Levy has decided that he'd like to get out of this deal. It just leads me back to the same old point, which is ah, no chance. Like, City have City are the other one that gets talked about right here because they're going to have an opening at, at striker very shortly. Um, City do not make these deals. This is not this is not their business model. No way. I know they spend a lot of money, but they only ever spend about sixty odd million. Now they spend sixty million on everybody, right? <laughs> Join yeah. City, you cost fifty to sixty million. Whether you're Kevin De Bruyne, Joao Cancelo, Raheem Sterling, Rod- uh, Rodri. Diaz, Walker, Mendy, like it's like they're all 50 to 60 million pounds. Laporte's the same. It's fine. Whatever. (laughs) This is a different, this is, they're all, they're all clearly like 20, 21, 22, 23. They're all heading into the prime years of their career. Um, This is not, this is not the kind of deal that City make. No way. And City City have got to a point now where they're so good without a striker. Why, why would you do this? I know he's, brilliant but why would you do this and particularly when next summer this is what the smart club does every single club in the world should know that next summer Erling Haaland has a release clause that kicks in and he will be available for half of what Harry Kane would cost this summer and in the summer where no one has any money anyway because everyone's broke because of the pandemic just just wait (laughs) (laughs) that's obviously the smartest thing to do as a as a model, as a, as a buying club. Now, what can, what, what, what can City get out of Kane? He might tip them over the edge. What if they win the Champions League on Saturday? What edge is there for him to yeah. tip them over? Yeah. I, I don't yeah. get, and who, who can afford this? Who has the money to, to pay up and, and allow Daniel Levy to walk away from this deal happy? Like, I just don't, I don't see it, guys. It's basically like Abramovich wants him in the kind of old Shevchenko Torres type thing, Mm -hmm. which I think now it's a very different club, right? Chelsea, they've got some very smart people at exec level that are going to be like, we don't need you to fork out a 200 million pound check. We we did that last summer. Um, And we're trying to make those players work. Considering who they have with their strikers and the amount of money that they cost for it. Like Giroud, I mean, it look, I mean, I mean, Giroud is going to leave. It looks sure. like Tuchel doesn't fan, fancy Tammy Abraham. So they do need a striker. 
but I just do feel like what Sam said is basically what I've been saying to all my mates since, since this has broken out. It's like, let's say you really wanted a striker. Like you were as the, the, the sporting director, the, the manager, the coach, everyone at the club wants a striker. Yeah. And, and on the market, there's Harry Kane and, realistically early Haaland could go this season because it's kind of a, a game theory there which you know January 2022 or do you pay the premium and get him now if you're Chelsea and you get quoted 125 million for Kane which uh, let's say it's that right and you could maybe offer Dortmund that same amount it's an absolute no-brainer <laughs> right and let's say Kylian Mbappe has got a year left on his deal as well right there's rumors right. of an yeah. extension it's not happening yet but as Sam said, if you wait a year, you might have two quote unquote generational players who are on the market. Um, and again, I think we've talked about this for like maybe six months now, Martina and Matt, right? If you went on, if you go on transfer market, that site that lists basically the valuation of, of, stri- uh, of players. If you go on that site, I don't know how accurate it is. I don't think it is very accurate. But if you go on there, you look at strikers under 23. There isn't that many good ones. <laughs> There is well, well, there are none as good as Harry Kane. Um, no, of course. Let, let me throw you a uh, hypothetical spanner. Um, <laughs> PSG lose Mbappe because Florentino Perez takes a 150 million euro loan from the Spanish king and, and pays for killing Mbappe and he leaves this summer. Kane to PSG is something that I think like, obviously it's fucking ludicrous, but at the same so time, weird. it's it's... <laughs> possibly one of the only things that could make even the slightest bit of sense but that's only if harry kane wants to move to paris and he's consistently said he wants to play in the premier league he's like yeah i want to go and win titles i want to win the premier league you know he's, he's eyeing up man city man united um, yeah which was and chelsea all, all here and chelsea. United, united have got united aren't spending this money on kane like they'll they, they're probably they're spending waiting. on sancho they're trying to spend it on sancho and yeah. they've just upped cavani for another year um, mm-hmm. I don't think this is happening for, for United. I don't think it's happening for Chelsea. And it shouldn't happen, uh, sorry, for City. It shouldn't happen for Chelsea because you've got uh, someone who I think could be an excellent number nine in Kai Havertz there. Mm. You've also got Tammy Abraham, who I guess probably might leave. I think Giroud will leave as well. Um, so there is there are yeah. potential options there, but obviously Timo Werner is in the team as well. <laughs> I just, I just all things considered, we'll, we'll carry on talking about it for two months. I just can't see it. No matter how hard Harry Kane pushes, I just... Can't say it. So, so, so with that, I have one more question for all of you. Mm. If he does not re-up as you, uh, or does not get sold, right? You mentioned the three years left on the contract. Does he even bother trying to play that game of chicken to not extend with his ankle issues, as you mentioned? Oh, it, like, I mean, he's definitely not going to extend. He can't like, extend. He can't. That would be crazy. So, so, so then we're and, and also at a situation... his ankle issues aren't like. It's no, not like not, yeah. you know, you know, original Ronaldo's knees, yeah. right? It's 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 not right. that bad. Yeah. yeah, like he he's got probably some scar tissue around his ankle. He's done that ligament a few times, but so um, it's just one of those summer, things. As you get older, it's probably going to get worse. Right? Summer of twenty twenty three then is probably. Well, I the I I just I just don't see as much as what Sam is correct in saying mm-hmm. that like you should wait, right? And no one will do it this summer. Like, why would anyone do it next summer? Because next summer, he'd still cost 85 million plus, right? No, we're, we're, presu- we're presuming Kane... I'm saying after the World Cup in 2023. Yeah. We're, we're, pres- we're presuming a Kane Kane is not going to deteriorate massively over the 12 months, over the next 12 months. Probably isn't going to happen. Still going to be one of the best strikers in the world, best striker in the league. It's... I just... To, to pay even close to 100 million next summer when he's got two years left for a player that is turning 29, who has mm. these ankle issues and looks a bit kind of like, you know, doesn't press as much, is dropping a bit deeper. And, and he's doing really well at his. The, the adaptation is, is amazing because he's a great footballer. I just, if it's not going to happen this summer, I don't know when it will happen, if that makes sense. Because he's getting to that age where mm. someone has to take a serious punt on him and it has to be a team that wants them, wants to take them over the edge. And, the the only candidate for me in that realm seems to be Chelsea and in, in, in terms of personnel and types of strikers they've got, they've got two, you know, Sam mentioned um, uh, Timo Werner yeah. and Havertz. They're both fairly young, both under 24. Havertz obviously mm-hmm. 20, 21. Tammy Abraham's also 23. Uh, he probably will leave, but if he leaves, then you, you would think like if it's affordable and they brought in Kane, 
you would have a senior striker and one guy that can play out left and, and one guy can, that can play. And Levy's not going to take any players back in these deals, right? He's yeah, I mean, uh, but also, is Levy going to sell to Chelsea? Like, I just, it's, mm. it's what all a bit What option does he mess. have? Because then he risks leaving, losing yeah. enough. But I think the thing is, it's too, a big game of chicken. The, the, will of the, mm-hmm. the, the will of the player and the player, we've seen this in the NBA. The, the player, it's honestly, I think it could be one of those cases. Maybe not the similar case, but there's some similarities I think you could find maybe the, with the way. Aden Hazard went to Real Madrid. He was like, I want to go to Real Madrid. Like, I don't want to make this a difficult thing for you, for me. Like, accommodate me. They got a good fee. He left, yeah. and on they go. And obviously, it was a great move for Chelsea because he's not the same player. But I think when you're looking at this situation with Kane and we know everything about his, his ankle and his injury records and all that stuff, it's he's at that age, to your point, Pet, where – you're going to be paying a lot for a player that maybe has a couple good elite, elite top of the top tier years left. Right. But you could potentially be in a position where you're paying for past performance, which is a massive no, no. I know for at least from a baseball standpoint, these big contracts go out and now the shifting has gone from going players that are 28, giving them a big time deal, big time contract for what they accomplished before their 28 year old birthday. So I think that's a nice parallel you isn't have it? with Harry Kane here. That's also a nice go parallel. Go somewhere else and get maybe not the same player, but you know, you spend a little bit, you wait a little bit and you get an Erling Holland and you have a player who is your guy for the next five, six years. I think that's kind of how a lot of these teams are going to approach it. Unless it's a ready to go project that are for next year or the next two or three years to say, Hey, Kane's a missing piece. We'll take the lumps on the back end of that deal. If they, they, they occur but we want to win something right now while we have our prime players, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, Hazard was 28 when he moved and Harry Kane is nearly 28. and They both have bad ankles. There's a nice parallel there, but the Hazard deal happened with one year left on his contract at Chelsea. Mm. Basically, when these players enter the final year of their deal, they become available. You still have to pay an absolute bucket load for them. Right. It doesn't mean you get a good deal. It just means that you actually can strike a deal. And Kane, if he's got three years left, is, you know... This is a this is a this is a story that a lot of people can take a lesson from. And if they hadn't taken it from Wilfred Zahar and they hadn't potentially taken it from Jack Grealish, then they sure as hell will take it from Harry Kane. Stop signing massive deals, right? That trap you at clubs because yeah. you hand all the power over to your your pet your club. And Zahar's been trapped at Palace for five years, but it's his fault because he signed three new deals. Like just stop. <laughs> and Grealish ridiculous. signed one at Villa last season. He's now yeah. on 120 grand a week. If anyone wants Jack Grealish, Villa are going to ask for 80 million minimum. And let's be honest, there's just not that. Again, it's not that many people in that conversation. So, um, if you do actually genuinely harbour these ambitions of kind of moving on and moving up to a super club at some point, like for these three players, but others as well, you got to stop signing five-year deals without release clauses, guys. It's so simple. <laughs> Um, the, only, yeah. the, only, uh, the only semblance of hope I'm, I'm going to say is this. Maybe Daniel Levy says Harry Kane did everything that he could for this club and I'll no. try and do right. But well, I no. did. I did. That's why I worded it <laughs> no. the way I worded it. Pat. I didn't Daniel, say Levy. It's Daniel Levy. Daniel <laughs> Levy. That's what I'm. That's what I said. I worded it that way for that uh, main <laughs> point that it's not going to happen, which is which is kind of unfortunate. But what was your last thought before we uh, get Sam out of here and? He can go watch some Detroit Lions highlights. You know who they are, Pet? Uh, no, I was watching the NBA playoffs last night, though. Uh, <laughs> good fun. Um, Chris sports. Paul played with like one arm. It was really weird. Uh, shoulder injury, yeah. The guy's it was like he couldn't dribble with his strong hand. Mm. Yeah, like, my, my, I was watching with a couple of friends. One of them turned around and went, "Imagine playing football only with your left foot." <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what I'll leave it on. Okay, okay. That's my that's my part in comment. That's all I've got. All right. Well, Sam, <laughs> we'd like to thank you so much for coming on with us. Um, it was a pleasure to finally get to talk to you, even though you uh, really didn't want to come on and uh, join <laughs> me this time around. Um, let everyone know where they can go and uh, follow you on social media and all the other work uh, that you do as well. Sure. Uh, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, always a pleasure. And you can find me over on the Ranks FC podcast. Uh, which used to well used to be the BR Football Ranks podcast. Myself, Dean, and Jack, my co-hosts, were part of Bleach Report. There was a company restructure, and uh, we're 
now in independent venture <laughs> so um all the help and all the lessons and all the support is always appreciated but we have struck out on our own because doing the podcast was our favorite part of our job and uh, we didn't want to stop doing that nothing could stop us nothing could stop us nothing could stop us that the final the final three words <laughs> three words four, four. words no god but you can't count um but yeah no i mean the podcast is great all of you guys should go and check it out listen to it um it's great content on a consistent basis so you guys will land on your feet very soon i'm sure that will be resolved faster than harry kane's situation so i'll bet good money on that um thanks guys (laughs) no problem uh pet and matt go ahead um and plug your stuff as well at p-e-t-b-e-r-i-s-h-a on twitter at Go Matt check out Santangelo on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow me and Martino's work with at MilanReports.com on Twitter, where we do post-match reactions. Obviously, we're going to have to wait now, but we're going to have some Champions League games oh, coming up um, in the next season. A lot of transfer coming around the corner as well. So make sure you guys check us out there. Yeah, um, follow me at Martino Puccio. If you go on Twitch, I don't know if the latest episode might have gotten taken down on Twitch because it just started out with me cursing out Gasparini and giving him the middle fingers to the camera <laughs> right after right after the final whistle. So um, very professional and classy of me, but whatever. Um, so go and check that out. Obviously, um, State of Play is now going to be on 90-minute football. So very excited about that. Um, other than that, you guys could just listen to some more team. Mm-hmm.